What's good, y'all, and happy new year. Welcome to another episode of In the Deep, a deep and dynasty-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again for the new year by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are you doing, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm good. Um, I didn't really celebrate the new year because time is just a construct created by mankind, so it's just, you know, what's the point? Time is a flat circle. It means no, it's it's really nothing. Yes, that, that is one hundred percent true. <laughs> it's, I love how we just start the episode off with an incredibly niche online reference that most folks probably aren't going to actually grasp. Uh, but uh, then again, there's nothing that's really more on brand for us. I feel like I like to start uh, all of my conversations with nihilism and a bit of Arby's, a bit of roast all- beef. We're off. We're off to a really good start for 2022. Uh, I'm going to get all the business stuff out of the way right at the top of the episode. Uh, if you're not already, what's wrong with you? You should be following us on our social media pages. So on Twitter, you can find us both individually. We're going to be Schwebzy for Schwebzy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I and then Bunt Singles for myself. And then our shared podcast Twitter account is in the deep PL. Uh, we also have a pinned tweet on there if you want to send us mailbag questions, which will Big surprise. Be the main focus of this episode today. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform, be sure to subscribe, like, give us a five-star review and everything like that. It really helps us out and gets our name out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Schwabzi, what did you do for the holidays? I actually went to Cooperstown. I did. In- I, I, wow. I was an incredible baseball nerd, and on Christmas Eve... A day that I should have spent with family and loved ones. <laughs> Those are two separate groups for me. Uh, I was in the. Snap. <laughs> oh, take that uh, family. You suck. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I was. Uh, yeah. So w- it was wild because because of the day we went, we, uh, I, I went with my wife. My wife, Christine, uh, humored me and came to the Baseball Hall of Fame with me on a holiday. Um. Uh, there was no one there there was there we saw maybe three or four other uh people visiting the museum when we went there so we had the run of the place had the baseball hall of fame basically all to ourselves and honestly i I don't know if i want it any other way now because i can't now i can't imagine the place like with a crowd it was so nice being (laughs) i was gonna say like uh, upstate new york during the winter (laughs) feels like the slow season for the baseball hall of fame if any time so the the whole town i i don't know if you've been the whole town is like baseball themed uh it's mm-hmm. i i don't know if the entire town thrives because of the hall of fame but it sure seems like it uh so many of the stores are baseball themed uh all, a lot of the restaurants and most of them were closed because it's the winter it and it's Christmas baseball. Eve, yeah. So there were a lot of signs up like, yeah, we're out till March. <laughs> Sorry, losers come back in three months. So, uh, there was literally like, we, we got like the worst pizza in the world. Um, I, I think was, I was going to, I was actually going to lead into that and ask you, how, like, please explain to me what about this pizza specifically was so bad. Can you explain to me what about it made it? Cause I think you said it was like a two out of 10. Yeah. So, uh, as, as a native, new yorker i the first thing i do when i walk into a pizza joint is i i eyeball their plain cheese slice and if i'm appalled then i order literally anything else 
That's the baseline. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If their cheese slice looks gross, then I order something else. So that's what I did. I ordered a buffalo chicken slice and they forgot the buffalo and the chicken. I think there were some tiny morsels that may have been chicken. Um, it was so not spicy that I think Joshua Sperry could have enjoyed it. It was just an, uh, uh, sorry, uh, another incredibly, uh, this, I'm actually that was getting a joke literally for us, for That's two it. people, two, two people, <laughs> us, um, we're just getting more niche as we go along here. So, uh, the next joke is going to be literally just for me. Even Jordan, Jordan's just going to stare at me, but yeah, oh, it, was, no. it was the most underwhelming food experience, uh, of my life, but the baseball hall of fame was great. Say it's really hard to. I feel like it's really, really. No, I mean, I feel like you have much higher standards of pizza than I, I do. I do have very high standards. But like for I, for me, I feel like a, a piece of pizza is really, really hard to mess up. I ate every bite of it. It was. Oh, still, that's because you're a monster. I know. <laughs> well, I understand. You're a monster. I get it, it. But like, it was still a pizza. Like you, you know what? Like you can't. <laughs> it's you. It's still pizza. Like I still ate it. I, I can't say I enjoyed it, but I still ate every last bite of it. The sauce was essentially ketchup with some with some basil <laughs> with some basil and oregano in it. It's like it's like it's like someone described buffalo sauce to somebody, but like left out the important bits, and then they tried to recreate it from that discussion. Is I think what happened there. It's like they forgot to add any peppers to their barbecue sauce. It was like a memory of actual marinara it sauce. Was, it, it was like the suggestion of, of vinegar and peppers. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry that you had to uh, suffer through that, but I am glad that you actually got to go to the Hall of Fame. That's really cool. I have been to upstate New York uh, two or three times. I've never actually been to Cooperstown, though. It was always for work stuff. I was to, I've been to Ithaca, New York twice, and then uh, where else was I? I guess I was in Syracuse twice too. So I've been four times, which is like sort of upstate, but not that upstate. Um, so we, yeah. we drove up there. We drove at night and I saw things that I'll never forget. Like what? It's, it's scary up there. I don't know. Like there's no lights anywhere. So just everything takes on it, it, and it's foggy. So everything takes on an ominous tone that it wouldn't otherwise during the daytime. So I just saw like it. it I saw like a dimly lit gas station that will haunt me forever. And it was just a normal gas station. It's just everything. I takes thought you on were going to say something like way cooler. <laughs> like you saw the Duke or something like that. No, like I thought it was going to be really cool. We saw a normal man taking out his garbage. And the sight was so surprising to both me and my wife that we both jumped. See, this is hilarious to me being like <laughs> someone that grew up in a country town who had to like regularly like be out before the sun was up to like shovel snow in the winter or like i was taking out garbage like with no one no one was within like thousands of feet of me at any given point and i'm just out in the wilderness quote unquote i mean i'm I'm in a driveway by myself so like this this to me is just like yeah that sounds like just like normal stuff yeah you saw like an abandoned car on the side of the road and it was just a car but within seconds of seeing this car both of us assumed something horrible happened there (laughs) <laughs> i mean a flat is pretty inconveniencing i gotta say no i mean yeah i mean i think stuff like that you automatically go to like the most catastrophic thing i feel like that's kind of like where our minds are at especially at, with the state of the world you instantly think that something crazy is happening and bad just getting um, home without being like attacked by cannibals i think was the biggest win of that trip upstate new york known for its cannibals yes yes <laughs> uh 
but uh i am glad that you got to go there that was really really fun i'm sure uh much better way to spend the holidays than i think most folks do which is like just tolerating their family in some cases and then uh eating okay food i feel like holiday food like christmas food is probably like everyone really likes thanksgiving food i feel like but i feel like christmas food is almost always the most disappointing to me but uh, so i'm, I'm from know, do you have like I'm, standard fare for so christmas I'm from a very italian family and also, there are many picky eaters in this Italian family. So uh, Christmas Eve was spent huh. with the the cooks for the evening, uh, mostly upset that they could not make fish for the <laughs> the traditional <laughs> Italian Christmas Eve meal. Yeah, that's fair. So we wound up just eating chicken parm, which is just, you know, like chicken the fakest of Italian parm. foods. Fi- it's fine, though. Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was great. It's good. My mom's a great yeah. cook. Yeah, I didn't do anything really for the holidays. Uh, personally, I got to see my parents this past Thursday. We're recording this on the first day of 2022. Um, got to see them this past Thursday, which was really, really nice. They came down and visited me. I made them brunch, which was fantastic. Um, and yeah, it was just nice, quaint, small. I got to hang out with them for like four or five hours, and then they went back home. So honestly, ideal for me. Uh, really, really great. Low-key small holiday. Trying to stay safe as possible obviously but yeah um well like i mentioned before this is just gonna be a mailbag episode so let's i guess just do you want to just dive right into it let's do this all right um let's go yeah let's do it all right so the first one from our very helpful and very frequent submitter to mailbag uh at bing bong dinger on twitter uh Thank you so much for submitting questions. Again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, on our Twitter account, we have a pinned tweet that has the Google, uh, what is it called? Form. Form. Google form. There we go. Uh, That you can submit mailbag questions to. You can also send them to our Twitter accounts, or if you want, you can just email them to inthedeeppl at gmail.com. And again, bing bong dinger. Thank you so much for this question. We appreciate it. All right. So it is players on bad teams are great for deep leagues. What is your favorite quote unquote bad team for the 2022 fantasy season and why? So bing bong dinger here put bad in like quotes. And I feel like it's heavy quotes because that can kind of like go up for interpretation. So Shrebzy, do you want to let them know what we decided was a quote unquote bad team? But so the the funny thing about this is that the team that comes to mind from last year for me is the Giants, who were not bad at all. It's like they were like looked at as bad from a fantasy perspective early on in the year, and then wound up yeah. being super useful uh, all around. But the criteria that we decided to use was teams that won fewer than seventy five games last year. Uh, Which, so you know, some of these teams yeah. might clear that bar this year because of some off season additions, but that's just. You know, the arbitrary criteria that we chose to use for this. Also, kind of fittingly, it's nice because this is just like literally there's 10 teams. It's the bottom third of the league. Which is also another way we could, I guess, split it up, too. But like, yeah, so uh, on that list, we have Arizona, Pittsburgh, Washington, Miami, Baltimore, Texas, Colorado, the Cubs, the Twins, and then the Royals. So in absolutely no order. Yeah. This is pretty much again, completely arbitrary order here. Yeah, it was initially actually did I know I didn't even put it in alphabetical order initially. Never mind. Uh, But yeah, so we have those teams all listed here. So out of these quote unquote bad teams, because I don't think all of them are really necessarily bad anymore. Texas got a lot better. I mean, 
Uh, Miami has a really, really good pitching staff and stuff like that. So I don't think they're like, like really that bad. Um, Minnesota still has good offensive pieces. Uh, the Cubs are kind of in a rebuild. They're all over the place. Um, but I guess actually I kind of want to let you start with this one, Schwebzy, if that's okay. So what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what I would like to do with this is I will, I want to go through, uh, each of these 10 teams and quickly like pick one guy from like deep ADP who we're like mildly interested in. Um, but before we do that, I do want to ask one question that's kind of been, uh, you know, like I've been wondering this, this off season, do you think, do you think Texas finishes 500 this year? After their big additions, three massive free agent signings. I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think John Gray b- bolsters their pitching staff enough for them to get to 500. I think they will be like right at the precipice. I think they end up finishing like. I don't know, like 77 and 87, yeah, I think with, is with what John that comes Gray, to. With John Gray, they added a number four starter to a rotation with no good starters. Sorry, 77 and 85. What would it be? Because it's That's 162 right. games. Yeah, 77 and 85. I think they're like right around there, probably. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of offseason left after the CBA finally gets ratified. So there's going to be a chance for other people to sign there potentially. Um, but as it stands like right now, I don't think they have enough depth in their pitching staff to actually get over the hump and get over 500. So, yeah. no. That's about where I'm at because there was a lot um, of hype after they got Semyon and uh, Seeger. I mean, that's a huge boost. That and is I'll a talk huge about boost. that too a little bit. But like it's definitely like, going to help them, but they're still going to be pretty bad. I think they might so, be on this list again next year. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah. So let's, uh, you know, going through our completely arbitrary order. Um, the first team on this list was Arizona. And yes, I said that I was going to pick someone deep in the ADP from each team. And then I looked at Arizona's team. Oh, my God, this is a bad team. It's it's not great. I will say it is it is not great. It's um, unreal. Like like they have they have a, a closer in, in Melanson. They have Gallen and Marte, who we both like, and then Dalton Varsha, yes. who uh, is once again uh, being overdrafted. And then what? I can't believe that his ADP is currently inside one hundred. That unreal. is wild to me. Um, but. I mean, beyond that, you got like Josh Rojas at 230, Carson Kelly at 282. Um, who else do we got here? I mean, like Christian Walker was someone that I was high on last year who did not pan out whatsoever. He's going at 442 right now. Yeah. Um, honestly, Madison Bumgarner at 452 seems pretty obscenely low to me. I feel like you could probably get more value than he is being drafted at at 452. Maybe in a really deep bench league where you can stream him, but if you, oh yeah, ever, he, would, he would literally sit yeah. on my bench as a streamer. That's right. it. If you like, have to run him out every week, is, oof. I mean, like, yeah, I think the only, the only thing here for me in like the four hundred, like you know, even the three hundred plus range, you, you're hoping for a Christian Walker bounce back because after 2019, his peripherals looked real tasty, and yeah. then uh, Luke Weaver a bounce back maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. he's he's shown flashes over the last few years but you know hasn't been able to do it consistently but other than that man this is this is a rough team for fantasy yeah i would say that the diamondbacks are probably the most barren and that's the thing too is like aside from melanson who's going to be the clear-cut closer there um which is something that they haven't had for a couple of years now 
Um, like that bullpen is really, really bad too. There's not even any like bullpen sleepers that I really feel attracted to in any capacity. So yeah, again, like you like tell Marte up top, obviously you like Dalton Varsho or a lot of people like Dalton Varsho. I'm medium on him after being kind of high on him last year. Maybe I was just early, hopefully. Um, and then obviously like Gallon Melanson, but then beyond that, it is such a crap shoot with all of these guys. I do like Josh Rojas's positional versatility, at least because mm-hmm. he's eligible at both middle infield positions and outfield. So that's nice. Um, that's something that still can be spoken to in terms of value. But yeah, just not a lot to be excited about here personally. So let's move on. They stink. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the next name on the list, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates. So going down to them real quick. I mean, this is an easy one for me, uh, and I'm sure you know who I'm going to say. I know exactly uh, who you're going to say. I, I love some Yoshi Satsugo uh, down. Oh, in- you're going with Satsugo. Oh, who'd you think? I thought you were going with the person directly above him. Unless we're just going like post. Are we doing post 300? Did I miss this? Uh, arbitrary, whatever. Okay, this is fine, all arbitrary. Yeah. Just like value in general. Okay, like I, I thought you were going to say O'Neill Cruz at 235. Yeah, I am. I am shocked that O'Neill Cruz is going in standard draft range. He's I, I I'm going to say right now, I think that O'Neill Cruz will be the second best bat on the Pirates team behind Brian Reynolds this year. Ooh. OK, that's what I think. I, I, I think I, I, I think he's going to be a better offensive performer than Cabrian Hayes personally. So what uh, you were giving me some projections before for O'Neill Cruz, was that steamer? Uh, whatever. So I was looking at roster resource pages on fan graphs and okay, the, whatever so, yeah. it pulls naturally from there. So it was 20 it home runs steamer. and 14 stolen, base, 14 stolen bases with a 281 uh, two, average, which seems, seems high. So seems high. generous. Um, but the combination steamer, of power and speed steamer projected projects O'Neill Cruz to have a lower strikeout percentage than he ever put up in the minors. Probably incorrect. That's probably incorrect. Yes. Yeah, um, unfortunately, but I do think that he is still going to probably be able to hit for like 255, 260 ish, somewhere in there, maybe, and still put up like like a 15, 15 season, like right around there. It'd probably be, I mean, more than enough at at pick 235. Absolutely. I would probably reach on him a little bit, depending on what my needs were in a draft. Well, so this actually brings up a relevant point. Uh, we were talking about Steamer earlier also with the Royals and how the four highest WRC plus projections for the Royals are all players who have never had a major league at bat. Yep. Um, and again, that is going to be incorrect. That is not going to happen. Um, I don't know what it is with Steamer projections and rookies this year, but the projections for rookies are, seem are, are like wild. And I, I want to say not to be trusted. Yeah, they seem very, very ambitious. To say the least. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there this year. I d- well, and that's the thing. I don't know if it's always been like that. Either. Yeah. Are they always very high on rookies, especially with like O'Neill Cruz? I don't know how much the very small sample size from last year gets baked into the steamer projections or anything like that. Because obviously there was like, what, one home run in eight at-bats? Something yeah. like that last yeah. year? Because he played two games at the end of the year, right? Um, I, w- I, I want to say it was, it was two. like... Yeah, you might be right. Uh, I, but, I left that page. No, it's fine. Um, But in that case, I don't know if anyone can hear this in the background right now, but the chinchilla that lives with us is going absolutely ham right now <laughs> on, his, his, on his hamster wheel. On his hamster wheel. Well, he was. He just stopped finally. But So if you can hear that, I'm sorry, but I'll tell him to pipe down. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know how much these like very, very small, small sample sizes that some of these like younger players are getting are getting baked into these projections. Um, if that's pushing it that way, where they're being more ambitious with how good they're actually going to be. I, I, I really don't know. Um, I don't think well, he's going to hit 281. No, no he's way. Still gonna, I still think that he could put up like a solid like two, like I said, 255, 260 and like a 15, 15 season just like with his tools and what he has available to him. Um, so like 235, easy, easy take for O'Neill Cruz there. But yeah, uh, for my, I guess, surprise pick uh, with Yoshi Satsugo. When he, he was so good at the end of the year, he was after his late season uh, move to his third team of the year, the Pirates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, usually when the Rays and Dodgers give up on somebody, I figure they're kind of washed. But uh, we the, it happened in the complete opposite direction for once. Yeah. Satsugo went to Pittsburgh. I, I guess there was no more pressure on him, and he went absolutely off with a 268 average eight home runs and 20 runs and 25 RBI in just 43 games. Now, the thing that I liked most about him prior to this year was the combination of patience and power. Mm -hmm. And the power was still there after this late season move, but he walked less than ever. Like this is uh, 10.4 is a a low walk percentage for him. So I, I don't know if he was just, you know, purposely being more aggressive after uh, being passive to a fault earlier or what, but whatever the change was, it worked. And he put up a 134 WRC plus in a quarter of a season for Pittsburgh. So I don't think that who is it? Uh, Colin Moran is, is no. too much of a uh, roadblock for him. Colin Moran currently going at 574. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, probably not. Actually, uh, Moran might be a free agent because I do not see him on this roster resource chart. So, yeah. uh, Moran is a free agent, I believe. Yeah. So no no roadblocks for Satsugo at this moment to uh, get, you know, a good number of plate appearances. I I love him as a really late round target for power. And uh, I absolutely will be bringing this up again at some point this offseason. Yeah. I mean, that little stretch at the end of the season was... I feel like you and I both have been, it feels like at different times we've been right about people at the wrong time and it's usually too early. It's the nature of the game. Yeah. It's just how it is. You just, you just miss the, miss the window is all it is. So, uh, kind of disappointing, but, uh, in terms of like pitching, is there anyone that you really, I mean, for me, it's basically just like there's Bednar there right around 200, uh, for close or for saves, uh, beyond that. I don't think there's a lot to be excited about in terms of pitching. The, the last time I got really excited Pittsburgh. about a, uh, a Pirates pitching prospect, it was uh, Miguel Jahure, and then he got absolutely annihilated by a yeah. bad team. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately so. Maybe, uh, I mean, maybe maybe we get a Chad Cool bounce back? That would be cool. Maybe. Hey. But his uh, the, the thing that made him so good before was uh, a really nice fastball to go with his slider, and the fastball was not really there so much last year. Yeah, maybe Anthony Alford on the hitting side of things. You could also steal some bases. Anthony Alford's got some speed too, so maybe there's some upside. But like, yeah, I mean, overall, not a lot to be ups uh, to be uh, excited about on the pitching side of things. Uh, let's go to let's go to Washington next. Let's hop on over there. Uh, I think so. For me, this is actually one of the ones that I was going to cover pretty well, relatively deeply, I guess. But for pitching, I think it has two of 
probably the most exciting lottery ticket picks, quote unquote, which is funny to call either of these guys lottery ticket picks, considering they've had like a fair amount of success, like not super far in the past. Uh, Steven Strasburg is going at 327 and then Patrick Corbin is going at 423, which is super duper late for two guys who like have had really, really outstanding success at different points in their careers. Um, obviously Strasburg with the just absolute slew of injury history behind him. And then, uh, Corbin just like losing so much last year and yeah, just fall. It it seems like he fell off the face of the earth. So I am on the record as saying that I think Strasburg is washed. Yeah. I I worry about him health wise pretty much, but like even if, okay, how about this though? If you have him at pick three twenty seven. And he can start and have like, if he can start like 18 games throughout the season and put up like a pretty decent, like just some decent ratios and like not an abysmal ERA, would you feel bad about picking him there? Yeah, but I don't think he's going to do that. You don't think he's going to do it? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to pitch more than like 130 innings this year at most um he's he's pitched 26.2 since 2019 yeah but since 2019 ended yeah so i mean i i I don't know what to do with him exactly i mean he's still getting drafted higher than patrick corbin which is interesting to me that people are more uh into buying into him than they are corbin um uh, I, I think it, I'm sure people are just more willing to buy in on, uh, you know, a star who was injured than someone who was actively very harmful to their team last year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, Patrick Corbin, again, going at 423, Strasburg at 327. I think those are both really good lottery tickets late. Like if you're just trying to like hit on something for your pitching staff uh, and then for saves i guess kyle finnegan like i'd rather take him over tanner rainey who's going currently 25 picks earlier on average uh either are great necessarily but i think that finnegan probably has the role in hand to begin the year uh but then again also when the cba does get ratified eventually and free agents are able to sign again there are some good bullpen arms available so that could change in a heartbeat so just like buyer beware when you're doing drafts this early and before the CBA gets ratified. But those are two that I, I mean, Kyle Finnegan and Tanner Rainey are the most likely to get save opportunities for that bullpen. But I lean Kyle Finnegan here. Yeah. I mean, the, go, lo, looking at this team up and down from a fantasy perspective, this is, it's not quite Arizona, but it is very rough also. Like I, I, you know, I've, I've, spoken before about how i love uh k bear ruiz i I love lane Mm -hmm. thomas although they're not quite being drafted late enough to talk about here but man once you get past like once you get past that strasburg who is their uh, the the nationals sixth player being taken woof yeah it's not great it drops it drops off pretty drastically at that point um like other than the people you said i don't think there's mm -hmm. a single other player that i (laughs) I hope I don't wind up with any of these players on my team this year. You're not drafting Eric Fetty. You're not going to draft like, um, who's another one like Paulo Espino. So, uh, Espino. Joe Ross, Joe Ross, I will say, cause it, well, that's the thing is Joe Ross got hurt. He had an elbow injury, so he's going to be out, out for a while. I think yet. Um, 
I know John uh, Adon was interesting last year. There's really just not a whole lot going on on this team. This could wind up being a really, really bad team this year. Yeah, it's going to be rough for sure. I mean, you have Juan Soto and then Josh Bell, Kaveri Ruiz, and then Lane Thomas are the ones being picked yeah, first. It's, on it's going squad. to be a fun, top-heavy lineup and then not much else. Pretty much, yeah. Not not much to write home about here. Um, all right, let's go to the team that you're probably most excited to talk about, Shubsy. Let's yes. talk about Miami real quick. I mean, this is a pretty like reasonably deep squad considering they finished so poorly last year. I, I love... Uh, Miami from a fantasy perspective this year um I think that uh like eyeballing things there are like 15 different players that I could see myself rostering in my NL only league at some point this year and that's just looking at guys after 250 ADP like Jesus Aguilar was an RBI machine last year Lazardo, we all know has shown flashes the stuff was electric at times uh, Eliezer Hernandez, I was very high on last year. We had that fluke injury when he was hitting. Mm-hmm. Like, Hopefully that no more of that. Season. Fingers crossed. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, Sixto, Sixto Sanchez, the reports are not good. Like, we haven't heard any good news out of him since his injury. What, what was it, two, uh, a full year ago at this point? 15 months, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a while ago. Uh, Joey Wendell was the patron saint of this podcast at one point. Uh, I mean, really, there, there's so many interesting, useful fantasy players here. Uh, Jacob Stallings for two catcher leagues. Miguel Rojas. Brian Anderson has been rough. I, I He used to be one of my favorite NL only pickups because no one ever wanted him and he put up valuable stats. If Anthony Bender wins the closer job, he's really interesting. Edward Cabrera has fil- filthy stuff. Brian De La Cruz puts the bat on the ball so well. Garrett Cooper is such a sneaky power play and like it really it i've mentioned so many names here and there's still more like if if max meyer reaches the majors he's interesting if john birdie gets playing time he's a speed threat lewin diaz uh is a power threat like there's really just so many interesting players on this team yeah particularly like the people that i love to point out on this roster are like i don't understand why jesus aguilar doesn't get more love it feels like he's a pretty like I mean he had a couple real stinkers of years. Uh I can't remember which year it was, like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Um, before he got traded to Miami, whatever year that was. But like he I mean, he has been a pretty consistently solid RBI machine over the course of his career, I feel like. Um, and then like like I said before, Eliezer Hernandez, like he had a, a couple real fluky injuries it felt like last year. And obviously, fingers crossed, hopefully there is a DH in both leagues once they ratify the new CBA. Um, And we won't have to worry about pitchers hitting anymore. As fun as that might be for some people, it's just not my bag. I don't like it. Um, But those are the two names that probably stick out to me the most. Um, And like Schwebzy mentioned, if Anthony Bender gets the closer role, which I think that he probably will... I know that people think Dylan Floro is probably the favorite right now. And Dylan Floro did have like a pretty good year last year, if I remember right. Like he had a two seven seven ERA and a 1.2 whip. Um, Bender's stuff is just so good though. 
that slider is so gross yeah i mean so this is this is my i I mean i'm sure you can tell by the way i'm gushing about them this is my answer to the question like this is my favorite quote bad team for this fantasy season i just love what miami has to offer and if you look a little higher than that threshold that i was using up to uh, around 235 i i will i'm going to have so much jesus sanchez on my teams this year i i love him as a, a late out late round outfielder they can do that too yeah there's a lot there's a lot of upside here for sure a lot of young talent that is really exciting um man it's just crazy to see how some of these folks have climbed since last year like i i don't remember what uh i kind of want to look at what jazz Chisholm's value was last year like where he was being drafted because it was way back wasn't it I, I i do remember that i picked him up off free agents in my nl only league last year so he went undrafted in an nl only league which kind of says was, it all he was 657 overall yeah there you go adp which is pretty crazy to think about but yeah you got guys like that going now at pick overall 73 74 that's that's wild um all right uh let's go to now what is the next one on the list baltimore this is the one that I got that I think I'm kind of most excited about from an offensive perspective. Like this and Texas are probably my two favorite ones, I would say. Um, I think the biggest draw here for me are guys like Anthony Santander and Austin Hayes as like post 200 outfielders that I kind of want to target and push up my board a little bit. Um, Santander posted like really consistently strong exit viola numbers last year and is projected at least according to fan graphs, not necessarily going to be the case, but he's projected to be in the heart of that lineup, like right at the three spot. So we should have plenty of opportunities to accrue like runs and RBIs. Uh, and he's got more home run upside than I think people realize. Like I said, he has like a really consistently strong exit velo output uh, and hard hit rates. So I think that I would tap into him if I want a little bit of a power punch. I will say, though, he does not walk enough or get on base enough, so he is going to be kind of a sap in OBP leagues, so I'd stray away from that if you could. Uh, Hayes, on the other hand, maybe not quite as much pop necessarily as I think Santander can produce, but he's a guy who can probably put up, if he stays healthy for the whole season, like a 25-10 season with like a decent, respectable batting average. Uh I don't know. There's a lot to be excited about with those folks. And then like further down the list, you got folks like, I mean, interesting enough, Rugnet Odor. We've, I, I, so many people have been burned by him so many times, but I don't know, maybe Baltimore will be the place that kind of unlocks him for some reason. Uh, you've got someone like Jorge Mateo, who was like a huge stolen base target off the waiver wire last year for me and TGFBI near the end of the year to try to catch up. Um, sometimes all you can do with a strong odor is, is, you know, burn a match or something. Wow. Wow. That's are you are you calling Rugnet Odor a fart? <laughs> is that is that what's happening right now? Cuz that's rude. That's pretty messed up to call to call Rugnet Odor a fart. That's really messed up. Those your your words. Not I mean, I'm just I'm just I'm just interpreting what you said. I'm just paraphrasing, really. That, that's that's your um, interpretation. No, I'm just paraphrasing that's, what that's you like said your basically. Opinion, man. That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> Uh, but then like, okay, further down the list too, you have Grayson Rodriguez. I don't anticipate that they would keep him down to the minors any longer, right? He's got to make his debut this year at some point along with like Adley Rutschman coming up, maybe even breaking camp with a big league team. I would assume, uh, 
folks like that. I don't know. Grayson Rodriguez is a good pitching pick, but like mostly just here, I'm excited for Santander and uh, Austin Hayes at their ADPs. Rutschman's ADP is wild. Rutschman's ADP is 193. He is sub sub 200, which is pretty crazy to think about. A minimum pick currently uh, out of 45 drafts. He is currently uh, the ninth pitcher off the board in, in NFC. It's crazy. With zero plate appearances in the majors. Wild. Talent uh, is man. there, but will the play definitely time is. be? We'll find out, I guess. Um, all right, we are halfway through our list of teams here, and we are like almost 30 minutes into this episode. So just real quick, Shrubsy, I think we're going to take a quick ad break, and we re- we'll be right back after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we were back. We were talking about the bottom third of the league, essentially, and which of those teams do we think is going to be the best for our deep league fantasy seasons next year? Uh, we last left off with Baltimore. We're going to go to Texas now. Uh, Shrubsy, is there anyone that you like on the Rangers in specific? Well, you know I'm a big fan of Josh Young. Yes. Uh, and if you look down like way, way down the list of uh, Texas Rangers ADP in the 600s. There's two longtime in the deep favorites. And by in the deep favorites, I mean, mostly me. There is Sam Huff and Spencer Howard. Yes, sir. I cannot even say Spencer Howard's name without laughing a little bit now because of how badly he burned me this past year. But if uh, if Spencer Howard ever remembers that he has more than one pitch in his repertoire and throws something besides a fastball, the talent is still there to be a serviceable pitcher, and I hope that happens this year. But uh, you know, we all know about Leone Tavares's speed. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is another team where uh, the the talent is pretty top heavy. So, who are uh, who are you feeling late in drafts from Texas? So I also like Josh Young. Um, I think that I also. I kind of got burned on this last year because I drafted him in a couple places. Willie Calhoun, I don't think is a bad choice. I think he's going to be hitting in the top of that lineup currently, uh, either in the one or two spot next to Marcus Semien, wherever they decide to put him. And then obviously Seeker is going to be in that three spot, most likely. Um, Just due to his proximity to those two really, really good hitters, I can only imagine that it's going to boost his stock in terms of his ability to get counting stats, runs, RBIs, obviously. Um, and he has hit for a decent average a couple times in the past, so I think that he will be able to capitalize at least occasionally on that. Um, I also think that I like Nathaniel Lau. Or wait. Do you? It's low. Is it low? Dang it. 
Oh, do you I like always Na- messed that- Do you like Nathaniel Lowe? I, I messed it up. I messed up his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I get I do the Lao Low thing so much, and I'm so bad at it. Um, but yeah, Lowe's going for uh, going at pick 247 right now. And just seems like a solid power bad. He's going to be hitting probably in the heart of that lineup as well. Um, we haven't seen a ton of action from him yet. Uh, aside from last year where he had his 550, like his first full season, hit 264, had 18 home runs. I think he's going to be able to clear 20 this year with a full season of work under his belt. And he's got a little bit of speed too, which is really, really nice. So a guy who can go like 2010 is something I'm more than happy to take uh, right around to pick uh, 240, 250 where he's going to be at. So... You know I'm a I'm a Nathaniel Lowe hater. I know you are. I, I definitely know you are. <laughs> Literally, this past season, every single time that I got a notification that Nathaniel Lowe hit a home run, the first thing I did was run to baseball savant and check to see if it was off a fastball, and it never was because early in the season I said I hated Nate Nathaniel Lowe because he couldn't hit fastballs, and it's I was I was right, but he did thankfully hit enough uh, off-speed pitches to still be fantasy relevant it's very nice it's very nice i must say uh yeah i'm gonna be happy to roster him this year he's a pretty cheap uh first baseman that's one thing is i feel like i don't know third base like with um josh young we kind of talked about this previously pretty shallow so i'm kind of looking to reach with that but like someone like nathaniel Lowe, he could very easily drop i feel like um and be a nice like late round first base pick that I would be happy to snag, especially like having a first base, someone who's first base eligible who can steal bases is just it's it's much it's the same draw that people that have towards like Dalton Varsho being a catcher eligible player. That. Like Nathaniel th- Lowe is what people want Varsho to be. Yeah, just that first instead of catcher. He's actually it's 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 actually real though. It would seem. Yeah, he's actually um, done it. But yeah. Um. All right. So then. Let's move to Colorado next. Uh, Shwebzy, who do you like in terms of late round picks for Colorado? Colorado is an interesting one because there's there's a lot of post-hype prospects here that mm-hmm. we've been talking about for a long time. And Colorado also has a new regime, so we're not really sure how they're going to handle their young players. Uh I think like if if we're looking like 250 plus uh, Elias Diaz is a very underrated catcher. He could very easily wind up being like, you know, one of the top 12 catchers in fantasy this year. Like that would not surprise me in the slightest because of the power yeah. he has. But once we're getting past that, like we know, we know uh, Ramel Tapia is a really nice contact and speed guy. I don't believe in Connor Joe to repeat what he did last year, but it is Colorado. So who knows? Maybe he could keep it up. The one guy that I'm still a sucker for and will be a sucker for forever is Sam Hilliard. Yes, he will be. I knew you were going to say that too. I was waiting for it. I know <sighs> I'm, I'm predictable and that's bad, but it is what it is. I am a sucker for the power speed combo. Uh, there was, one point last year where Sam Hilliard had only three hits and they were all just massive pulled tanks. And he's just, he's a fun player and it's a skill set that works in fantasy. And towards the end of the year, I know we've talked about this. I know I've talked about this in the podcast before towards the end of the year, he started putting it together. He started striking out less. And the question for him is always, will he put the bat on the ball? So 
Japan, I'm, I'm, I was just thinking about Bobby Dalbeck and how maybe this is just maybe I'm just a sucker for these guys that strike out too much. And I'm just hoping they'll <laughs> put the bat on the ball just a little bit. But uh, I, I do think Sam Hilliard is a really nice outfield sleeper. And I have the feeling he's one of those guys that you're probably going to see written about in dozens of articles, uh, you know, talking about outfield sleepers because he has that really enticing power speed combo. Yeah, I mean, he's always someone that I feel like people are like very, very high on or very low on, mostly because someone sees that power speed combo and gets really excited about it. And then the other people that are down on him are like, yeah, I've seen that power speed combo, combo but I've already been snake bitten by him. And I've already seen I've also seen yeah. his strikeout rates. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it, there's so much variance in players like this, but that's why they're so fun, right? Like we enjoy taking that gamble on certain guys, which I, I don't know. It's, it feels fun to me and it's why I enjoy playing uh, fantasy baseball so much is because like, when it does, when it does actually hit, it's so satisfying and so gratifying. Hey, uh, hey Jordan, I'll see you here same time next year as I get burned by Sam Hilliard again. <laughs> I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> says Schwabzi. Uh So the one person that I'm kind of high on and it's for just because there's just this absurd fact about him that it feels like he has conquered Coors Field oh, as a pitcher. Yes. And that's Austin Gomber. And just like Shrebzy, I've told you this before, probably, but I just want you to guess what his home and away splits were in terms of ERA this past year. It was something, it was like 1.7 or something stupid, wasn't it? So his home ERA, you said 1.7. What do you think his away ERA was? 6.4. I don't know. Okay. So his home ERA was 2.09. That's close. Which is pretty good. His away was 6.22. Boom. Just got absolutely shellacked away from Coors Field, which makes no sense whatsoever. I don't Did, get I, it. Wait, wait, was, was that shellacked? Is that what that was? Yes. It sounded like he got caught between shellacked and smacked, and it was like a shacked. A love shack? <laughs> it was very much not a love shack. Sorry, I was, how I was, he got I was, treated on the road. I was listening to a wedding music playlist for some reason the other day, and love shack was on my brain, so I just had to say that real quick. <laughs> I don't know why I was listening to a wedding playlist, but anyways. No, uh... Gomber put up a 2.09 ERA at home and I kind of just want, I don't know, I have to dig into Gomber more and I've wanted to do this for a while, but I just want to figure out why he had so much success in Colorado because it makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. Like, I don't know if it's something with like, you have a 187 average overall in Coors Field. And that's insane. We, we've talked about this before where uh th- there's kind of a mistaken assumption sometimes that it's the power hitters that really succeed in cores but no it's actually the people who are hitting the ball not over the fence that it's the batting mm-hmm. average guys that's why you kind of see a lot of batting champions come from colorado lots of yep. weirdly high batting averages so having a really low batting average against is a really weird thing yeah speaking of guys with like high batting averages in the past i feel like charlie blackman at 250 is probably a pretty good pick he's getting he's getting up there but like at the same time like i feel like the average could still be there for him maybe i'm I'm out on him i'm out on blackman for probably the rest of his career just because i think the power is too gone at this point and the speed has been gone even at 250 yeah i guess it's only 13 home runs last year i thought he i thought he had a little bit more pop than that last year but he did put up a 270 average which is like fine um yeah that's what he is he's fine at this point he's maybe maybe a fifth outfielder for your team maybe fair enough 
All right. Uh, yeah, aside from that, not much else that I'm super excited about in terms of Colorado. Uh, how about we move on to the Chicago Cubs? Let's do that. This is an interesting team. I mean, there's there's fun there's fun names all over the place. I mean, Schwabzy and I were or Schwabzy mentioned it earlier, saying that the projections for the Cubs really aren't that bad. The offense is surprisingly okay. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> pitching what, staff is questionable. That's uh, when uh, Dan Zimborski tweeted about the uh, Cubs zips projections. I think my like reply to that tweet was like they're trying to build the world's most okayest team because it's just like guys who are fine up and down the roster. There's no stars, just a bunch of guys who seem like they will be fine. They don't have a single player within the top 100 of ADP right now. Nope. Which but is pretty a, crazy to think about. A bunch of guys before 400. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, they, they've got a bunch of guys getting drafted in like the mid to late rounds. Interesting um, that Rowan Wick is the one. I mean, that makes sense, actually, that Rowan Wick is the one that's in line to get saves currently and is the highest drafted one of the bullpen at 352. Um, I know our buddy, uh, the Unforgettable Fire, actually oh. said that that was probably the most likely outcome was that yeah, Wick was going to be the one getting that. the save. So he was all over that. So shout out to uh, Unforgettable for that one. Um, Edward Elzele so, at 345? If that's he another could one. ever... If he could ever stop giving up uh, dingers, dongs, and drives, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, he, if he'd think... stop being the Guy Fieri of the MLB, yeah, that would be great. So I am like intensely curious to see how the Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner uh, middle infield goes. Me I, looking I at Nico Horner, I just can't quit you. <laughs> or I wish I could quit you. You're doing like the, the, the Shelly where every time you see Nico Horner, you get the hard eyes emojis. I do. Absolutely. I mean, he's just the, st- the steps that he made. I-, I worry about the injury stuff because he was having a lot of issues with like oblique stuff last year, if I remember right. And it was it wasn't great, um, but I was right. very high on him coming into the season. The hit tool is there. The defense is fantastic. He's never going to leave that so lineup because of his defense. Th- this is a team that's very easy to ramble about because there's a lot of interesting maybes on this team. But if you had to pick one guy after, say, ADP 300, who's the who's the most interesting for you? Who's who's most likely to wind up on one of your teams? Um, most likely, I would say that. Hmm. Post pick 300. Oh, man, that's tough. I think it's probably Elzele. Most likely. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's probably be- Elzele. I would I would take the chance on him as like a late SP like streamer essentially. You, you believe in the slider? I do. Yeah. I think like he- what I've seen from him has been enough to say like I can trust you in like the less the less uh, intense matchups against weaker yeah. offenses. I I don't think his home run problems are permanent. I think that is something that he could fix, and if he does, he's going to take off. Um, I don't know if I'd bet on it to happen you know now but yeah. i can absolutely see picking him up multiple times this year as a streamer but as for me uh, i'm looking further down there there's a player in the 500s who i absolutely cannot quit also similar to uh sam hilliard there's harold ramirez oh yeah he, i forgot that he, they have him he's gonna get a chance at some point this year he is 
fantastic at putting the bat on the ball. He is fantastic at hitting the ball hard. It's just, can he ever elevate it? We, I've been, we've been waiting for Harold Ramirez to elevate the ball for years at this point. I'm, I, I feel like at some point there's going to be one year where he just puts it all together. Like, I don't know, like, like an obvious Ivy sale Garcia year. And he just suddenly hits like 25, 30 home runs one year. But yeah, I, I can absolutely see myself uh, stashing Harold Ramirez in a, in an AL only or something. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, I think of another name down there that NL I find. Only. Oh yeah. Sorry. NL only. Yeah. Correct. Duh. Uh, another name down there that, I mean, obviously like if, if I had to pick not Elzele, it would be Rowan Wick just for saves. And then also like, I, like I said, I, I can't, I can't quit Nico Horner. I just can't. Cause I feel like he's going to be hitting it. I feel like he's going to be hitting at the top of that lineup eventually. He probably should be. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean the, their early lineup hitters this year were like a uh, Rafael Ortega towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Which Ortega was fine. He's going to be interesting. Yeah. But you do you see what one. I'm talking about? It is so easy to ramble about this team because it's just they, they very the curiously built. They are the world's okayest team. They, it's incredibly okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to Minnesota next. Um, looking at Minnesota, there's people like post 250, especially that I find kind of interesting. Like, I, again, like if you just need power, Miguel Sano uh, hits the ball just as hard as anyone. Uh, I gambled on him last year and lost a little bit because he just absolutely tanked my batting average in all my batting average leagues. So that was rough. But then you got like Bailey Ober is down there. Who's got like a very interesting uh, fastball slider combo. It's it's just crazy to see the dichotomy between him and Joe Ryan and how far Joe Ryan has been pushed up draft boards. Like everyone knows how good Joe Ryan's fastball is now. And like Bailey Ober is still pretty okay. Like my dude had a, I mean, he had a 4.19 ERA, um, but he was better near the end of the season. If I remember correctly, he was, he was a really nice pitcher down the stretch. Yeah. You look at He had a couple blowups early on where he gave up like four or five runs and then he settled in. He didn't give up more than three earned runs in any of his starts, uh, from July 20th onward. So, I mean, he was he was serviceable. He wasn't amazing, but like, I mean, I think at that point in a draft, like pick two seventy one, he's probably a fine addition to your starting pitching rotation. Uh, and if you want to have him as like a spot streamer, that's probably uh, fine. Um, I have a question. Yes. When did when did we stop caring that pitchers were massive? Bailey Ober is six foot eight, and I feel like no one talks about it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of pitchers are real big, though. They're all I mean, there's like the prototypical pitcher. I feel like in most people's minds is like. Six, three, six, four with like a wingspan of like six, six who can just huck it like 96 plus. But like, I don't know, there's there's many different ways to. uh, To win a ball game as a pitcher, I feel like. Um, I don't know. He's a large (laughs) dude. He's a large dude. I don't, I don't know. Like that's the, I think because you and I mostly just like watch people on the television. Like we've gone to a few games last year and things like that. And we can see them in person then. But like most times you're just like staring at them on a screen. You don't really get the perspective of how large they actually are. It doesn't hit but us as hard. A few years ago, I feel like, you know, when uh, Syndergaard was at the peak of his Thor powers, like, uh, you know, got I feel like it got brought up all the time, like how massive he was and like what a specimen he was. What an Adonis he was. Yeah. And he's like six, six, I think maybe six, seven. And like back when Chris Young was was 
you know, throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs from what looked like the middle of the sun because of his overhand delivery. Yeah. Like everyone talked about how 6'10 he was. No one, but like, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of our thing, isn't it? I, yeah, we're ramblers. Ramblers. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else on this list that is like super interesting to me. Um, Dylan Bundy at 448. Ugh. I mean, if you want to roll those dice, feel free. I don't know if I'm going to necessarily, but I mean, 448 is not the worst price to pay. I got so Bundy. burned by him in a few leagues this year because I was betting on the uh, I was betting on the breakers to still be elite more than the uh you know yeah the fastball but the fastball is so so bad yeah it is not it is not good at all um so i'm actually kind of interested in nick gordon i want to see nick gordon get full-time okay. plate appearances to see what he can do uh because again another player like ober who was fantastic down the stretch lots of st- lots of more power than i expected in his late season run but the speed is there and as fantasy baseball players we love speed uh he had in only 216 plate appearances last year he had four home runs and 10 stolen bases which you know over a full 600 plate appearance season is 12 and 30 which is really nice yeah we'll take that 100 percent of the time i mean oh man there's not can't, much else here can't that hit I'm a like, lake, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, but there, I, I was just gonna say, there's not much else here that I'm really excited about. I mean, if, if Garber I'm gets hurt, honest. then Jeffers immediately becomes very interesting again. Yeah, that's true, and I think there's. I know still you're a Jeffers splitting. guy. I was, and I'm less so, but still somewhat. Like, I mean, I think that the pop is still there. It's just, I don't know if the playing time is going to be there. I think Garver's pretty clear cut again, the starter. I think Jeffers kind of missed his window. Um. Yeah, there's just really no one else here that I'm super excited about, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a little bit of a blah team. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then let's stay in the AL Central for our last team here, which we have the Kansas City Royals. So, the, I mean, we could talk about Bobby Witt going sub 100. That's... I. I don't even know what to say about that. I, I I mean, someone who has had, he hasn't had any major league at bats yet. Correct. Am I crazy? No, no. I, I yeah, promise I will have any. zero shares of Bobby Witt Jr. This year. Yeah. I mean, unless he drops exceptionally and like the draft is yeah. very close to the season and Dude, I know that he's actually going to be starting. His max pick is 137 over the last month. That's crazy to think about. He's, he's not even making it to like the 12th round. I don't even know what to say about it. Honestly. Uh, right. And like, but, that's the thing is like we look at this team too is like I mean there's like Nicky Lopez at 220 obviously like stolen base upside is fantastic. Uh, that's one thing that this team has a lot of is it has a lot of stolen base upside. So if you're looking for that, obviously get it. You have Mondesi, Nicky Lopez, Bobby Wood Jr. will probably nab some too. Um, but then you go further down the list, you have someone like one of your guys, Shrubsy, Carlos Hernandez going 443 right now. Love Carlos Hernandez, yes. I mean, deep league pitching is like the strength here as far as like, you know, when you're really digging down into the ADP, because after 400, you've got Brady Singer, you've got Carlos Hernandez, you've got former top prospects like Daniel Lynch, you've got Chris Bubich. Um, Actually, we were we were talking to Nicholas Pietro Pollock about late round uh, Kansas City pitchers the other day and we were arguing uh, like Singer versus Hernandez uh, Nick prefers Singer I'm actually more of a Hernandez guy 
uh and you know maybe you should that maybe you should take that as the sign to go for singer because nick is much smarter than i am but uh yeah i love hernandez's stuff and he was amazing last year i'm surprised he's going this low i'm like we've been talking a lot in previous episodes about how like there are no sleepers anymore Carlos Hernandez is firmly in sleeper territory because I think he is going to have a rotation spot to start the year. And I think he could be like a rare workhorse. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I mean, he showed flashes last year. Like we saw it. Like we, rec- I mean, you recommended him how many times last year for people to pick yeah. up off the wire for streams. Like he was good on occasion. Um, and this is like similar to the Cubs too. It's just like, a very okay pitching staff for the most part. Like a lot of guys that are like, just kind of meh. So I, like you said, I think he is going to have probably a pretty set rotation spot to begin the year and will get his opportunities. So I don't, I don't mind that one at all. Um, there was a couple times last year where I was interested in Bubich a little bit, but I mean, I'm not interested still, even at 480, which is his current, uh, ADP. Um, further down the list, Edward Olivares, if they actually keep him in the majors for longer than, 17 minutes uh maybe he can actually do something um yeah I don't, I, I, there's not a lot here for me past like pick 200 that i'm really super interested in honestly yeah so it's, it's probably, another i mean, ugh, I mean we, yeah that's the nature of looking at teams down here we are going to run into some clunkers yes it will um that's what we're here for it's to to <laughs> look through the clunkers and find some gold absolutely like carlos hernandez uh, <laughs> well i mean i hope that you're correct uh Shwebzy, we had so many more mailbag questions to answer but this one <laughs> literally took an hour so i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna stash the other ones obviously it's not really gonna make a it's it's not gonna change things too much unless a new cba is ratified within the next week or so uh because we will be recording our next episode actually a little bit early because we have a special guest <gasps> do, do you want to do you want to tell the people who our special guest is maybe we should i think should, should. We or shouldn't Let's, we spill build some excitement Get the get hype. Okay, guys. So, okay, here, here's the thing. We're not going to release it until I think the 16th is the release date for the episode. But this coming Thursday, the 6th, we are going to be joined by the one and only Ellen Adair for an episode of In the Deep, which is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a little bit different than our usual episodes. We're not going to talk strictly baseball the entire time. We're going to talk as much baseball as we can. Obviously, it's probably going to be pretty Phillies focused. Uh, since Ellen is a Phillies fan, so we'll try to give you some Phillies content coming up. But uh, yeah, super excited about that. It's going to be real cool to have some actual uh, some cachet with having Ellen's name attached to the pod for but one episode. Well, we had we had Shelly as our first and only guest ever. Yeah, that's true. And it is very, very difficult to maintain that level of quality in a guest. We only have the best guests. We, we did it. We did it. We're doing it. So, yeah, super excited to have Ellen on. That'll be coming up this week. We'll probably post on Twitter for if anyone wants to submit any questions specifically for Ellen. And then maybe she can help us answer some of the questions we couldn't get to this week. Seem good? Sounds good. All right, sweet. Okay, cool. Uh, With that, we're going to bid you adieu here. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Again, if you liked what you heard today, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever podcast platform, be sure to give us a five-star review, subscribe, uh, comment, and like all that stuff. We would be greatly helped and greatly appreciative of 
your assistance in that. And also, if you want to submit any mailbag questions to us, feel free to submit them to either of our individual Twitters. That's at Bunt Singles or at Schwebzy. And then we also have a pinned tweet on our Shared in the Deep account where you can submit to the Google form or our email address. Uh, And with that, Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye, friends.